Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, there was another Sony State of Play. We got a look at a leaked game from Warner Brothers, and Rebecca Valentine is here. everybody and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i'm one of your hosts andrea renee joined by miss Brittany brabacher hello and special guest rebecca valentine is here now i can yell hi Yes, yes, yell all you want. It's so good to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us once again on the show how have you been you had mentioned in the you know time before we started recording that you know life has happened life has <laughs> this happened. time we saw each other life has happened yeah i i have moved i moved across the country i was previously based in kansas city and i i packed up all my stuff and i packed up my cats and i got in my car and i drove halfway across the country and now i'm in san francisco i'm in the bay area and yeah it's it's been amazing so far i've been here for almost a month actually it's why is it so pretty how do people live with the mountains just right there like that's that's made up nobody does that that's fictional that's why it's so expensive to live here (laughs) because it's so wonderful west coast best coast obviously i've been a california resident for 15 years now so i am a big fan of the state of california even though it is outrageously expensive to live here but you know you just said why it's worth it because it's really pretty and you moved to california because you're now working at ign congrats thank you how's the new gig been going oh it's been amazing you know i i got hired in february but i guess last time i was here i was with games industry so yeah i i work for ign now it's it's been really cool it it's this is another thing that sounds made up right like it's it sounds very made up that i get to work for ign because Ever, like I, I've read IGN for years. <laughs> I mean, it's just like ubiquitous, and it's really cool to just like be able to learn from on a day to day basis all these really cool people whose work I've been reading and admiring and watching for so so long, and and to get to do the thing that I like to do, which is this kind of more in depth businessy how the games I love get made sort of stuff, and bring that to IGN. It's just just ah feels completely fictional. It's really cool. Um, but you're amazing, and that's why it is not fictional, my friend. It is reality. <laughs> I was looking, and the last time you were on was August 14th, 2020. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it has been a while. What was Although I doing in August? A hot minute, as the kids say. <laughs> We talked about Halo Infinite's unfortunate delay, the confirmed November release for Xbox Series X, Control's weird next-gen upgrade conditions, and more. Hands-on included Story of Seasons, Among Trees, Fall Guys, and Rebecca talked about indies and gives journalism advice. So that's what we did in August Okay, yeah, it's coming back, it's coming back. 
Oh my God, it feels like a lifetime ago. Really this is why we keep all of our show notes, everybody. <laughs> we have a copy of the show notes from every show we've ever done. Yeah, that was very impressive. I felt the Google Doc like reabsorbing into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ain't that the truth? Uh, well, we do have some news and other things to talk about in this week's episode, <laughs> but I want to say thank you to our Patreon producers Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goudere, and Punctified. And if you want to join our Patreon, community you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games where you can choose from a variety of memberships including getting the show ad free speaking of ads this episode is brought to you by our sponsors me undies and fixture gaming but we'll tell you more about that later for now Britt is going to tell us about a really kind review that somebody left i know I this this made me feel emotions that i just had to share it with everyone so this comes from michaela b keen who left us a review on itunes michaela said Oh, hi. I'm a woman who has been playing games since I was little. Where's my SNES? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. NES people at. Got to date you there. I'm also a mom who has put games on the back burner since my little one has come along. At the beginning of the year, I thought, hey, I wonder if there are any female gaming podcasts. And this is when I found you wonderful ladies. It has been so important to me to find strong women-led conversations about games. For so long, I've had to prove myself because of being a woman who likes to game. This should never be. And it's so nice to hear from you ladies and all the wonderful guests you have. I get excited every week to listen to your podcast and on my way to and from work. To be honest, it has me excited to come home and play video games again. Thanks for all that you do. <laughs> so fucking sweet. Thank so you nice. so much. That like, yeah, so like nice. those are the reviews that I mean, the funny ones are great, too. Don't get me wrong. And listen, we love all of the five star reviews. But when you really read these ones, it really just kind of gives you a little oomph. On days like today, for example, when Andrea and I were lamenting before the show started that our children have been very needy today. And we're like, oh, we're so tired. But then you hear reviews like this, and then it just kind of gives you a little spark. You know what I mean? So we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, that little boost to keep going. And thank you to everybody who's taken the time to leave us a five-star review. We do read every single one of them, believe it or not. And I just want you guys to know that we heart you. We do. For taking the time. And supporting our little show. But for now, let's talk about Sony's latest state of play. So I want to take this quick moment to identify that they call this a state of play, not a showcase. So next time you see PlayStation announce something, you can kind of temper your expectations for what kind of announcements you're going to get based off if it's a showcase, you know, the big razzle-dazzle, or state of play, which is a little bit more kind of run-of-the-mill announcements. But I thought we got some decent stuff in this state of play, including out the gate, this brand new game called Deathverse Let It Die, which is coming in October 2021. That can't be. No. Is that correct? I don't think so. No, I think that was just <laughs> the highlight from IGN that I pulled. Sorry. Not the, the state best. of play was Oh, sorry. Yeah, we have to put the, yeah, the little tag at the end. It's all Rebecca's co-worker's fault. <laughs> it's all SEO fault. or something. I don't, some oh, Google said. So much SEO. Okay, well, let's see. I will look into this. All right, Brittany, let me tell you read this story and I'm going to pull up uh, this B-roll so we can take a look at this thing. Okay, so PlayStation revealed Deathverse Let It Die, a new game set in Grasshopper Manufacture and Gung-Ho's free-to-play Let It Die universe. According to Gung-Ho, Deathverse Let It Die is a survival battle arena game where players will fight each other in PvPVE combat, obtain ridiculous weapons, customize your character, and fight your way to the top in front of a bloodthirsty audience. So I didn't get a good chance to look at this trailer because my child was kicking me in the titties when I was watching this because uh, he was very needy at the time. But I'm assuming you two did. So what do you yeah. think about yes. it? Yes. 
I had tweeted that I thought that it looked like a cross between Dishonored and Running Man, and Running Man being the wonderful 80s movie, um, which is based on a book. Um, so I think that this has got obviously like a lot of Japan like written all over it. Now that I know that it's Let It Die, like you can definitely see it. People in my timeline were, were saying it looks a lot like near and really just kind of like a wacky, <laughs> like brutal hack and slash. What do you think, Reb? I, hmm, I thought this was the least interesting thing to me in this whole presentation. I don't know. I feel like there's a kind of cultural interest right now in sort of these these battle arena games one but then also this concept of big group death games right mm. like like squid game among us uh i can only name two at the moment off the top of my head but i i feel like this is a thing people like right now uh i don't know maybe hunger games started it uh i don't know this this doesn't the characters are interesting i think i think kind of the characters and the weapons are interesting but Watching them do things in this environment does not look interesting to me. I, I don't know. It, it hasn't grabbed me out of the pack of the many ways in which I can get together with large groups of people and do cartoonish murders. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Battle Royale genre is really hot right now, and a lot of people are playing it, and this is just really kind of capitalizing on that in the weird and wacky characters and abilities. And you know, I think it's all going to come down to the gameplay loop if people are going to think this is interesting or not. Obviously, what the free-to-play mechanics are going to be is going to be interesting to watch as well. But I think there will be an audience for this. Will it have legs? I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it, it kind of depends, right, on if if enough, like, big-name streamers grab it early on, but also if it has a strong enough hook to keep people playing for longer. Because, like, I, I think a lot about... Well, I think very rarely, but then sometimes it suddenly comes to me. Uh, remember Ubisoft had that battle royale like a year ago? Hyperscape. That's right. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. and no one has spoken about it since. So I feel like you really got to nope. have something to stand out in this generalized battle genre. And I don't know. I don't know that if I saw, I saw that here. That doesn't mean it's not there, but eh. Hyperscape. Yeah, it's interesting because I think I just feel like Fortnite and Warzone are taking the lion's yeah. share of the battle royale pie right now, and you really kind of have to have. To me, you don't have to have a hook; you have to have compelling gameplay. Because there's a lot of games that have interesting concepts, but the gameplay kind of falls flat after a while. Yeah, and you have to be able to convince your group of friends in order to jump into the game with you and want to keep playing so like your cross play has to be on point your cross chat clients need to be good the cosmetics need to be good and i think that ubisoft's hyperscape was really doing a solid job of you know putting up gameplay that was at the level that we were seeing in other battle royales but for some reason it just wasn't connecting with people yeah and it might be the setting the kind of more futuristic cartoony look that they were going for Hmm. i don't know i just feel like the competition among pvp games now is really really intense it's thick there's a lot of choice for multiplayer online games right now yeah thick with two c's no that's right (laughs) Know what I mean? I had fun with Hyperscape, Andrew. That was the game where you had the big bouncy like hamster ball, right? That's right. Oh, I had so much fun with that. That was it. Hilarious. Wasn't unfun, right? Yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was That's fun. Just it. That's what we're talking about. It like just, it was, yeah. a, it was fun to play, but it's just there's something. There's just yeah. something that it didn't have, which is very unfortunate. But moving on, 
We Are OFK is coming to PS5 and PS4 in 2022. So We Are OFK follows the lives of indie pop band OFK in a story-based adventure. The game follows the band members' career, love lives, and more. In addition to the game, the band's EP also drops next year. This looks so interesting. I was reading an interview, well, yeah, it was an interview on the PlayStation blog with Teddy, the creative director, and Itsumi Saito, the keyboardist and manager of OFK. And Teddy was interviewing uh, Itsumi, and Teddy asked, you know, who is like, who is the villain in OFK? And Itsumi had a really interesting answer. Uh, She said, the villain is the struggles you face trying to create something. Imposter syndrome, heartbreak, miscommunication, people with different dreams and priorities. She went on to say, it's really hard to make music, games, art, videos, etc. That's the story we want to tell. And Teddy responded and said, we're so happy, basically, you're letting us make a game about you because in our experience, making games and animation feel a lot like yours making a band. So it's a five-episode series, and it has fully voiced interactive dialogue from a star-studded cast, emotional texting, thirst texting, emoji spamming, and five interactive music videos premiering new songs by OFK. So now they performed at the 2020 Game Awards, right? This is the same band? Mm-hmm. I think. I believe yeah, so. I think yeah. it is, yeah. yeah. So interesting, right? It's a really interesting concept for a game, and I just want to send thirst texts to everybody. <laughs> Am I wrong yeah, for that? Yeah, I don't thirsty. think so. Yeah, yeah. This to me was one of the most interesting games. Obviously, we you know talked about it and seen it before, but I really just love the kind of deeper dive we had on it, and I just wanted to get here quickly so I can play it. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. Well, one, I think the art looks really lovely. I love looking at these kind of cityscape backgrounds that look like Steven Universe or Sailor Moon. Uh, but also, I think it's it's very bold, right? Like, I'm not just out of touch, right? Like, OFK is not, this is not a massive band. This is not... This is not a group that everybody in the world knows of, right? Correct. This is like an indie. No, group. it's an indie. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is such an interesting, bold play. You have this this band, and you are primarily a band, and you decide you're going to make a video game about yourselves. That's yeah. so interesting. It is, right? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, I don't even know if I've heard a song of theirs, but just this premise, it has me so intrigued. I'm like, okay, you got me. And like I said, yeah. there's text. I want an emoji spam. Why not? Yeah. I'm married. Oh. I can't send thirst sex anyone but my husband anymore. And Andrea. Um, and you can Simer. send thirst sex to me. Yeah, yeah. You, Simer, and my husband is about it. Maybe Reb, but she's down. Who could say? I'm down. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, sure. Add her to the list. <laughs> Add her to the list. All right, moving on. We got Death's Door is heading to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. So Sony has confirmed that Death's Door is coming in late November. Originally released in July. It's currently available for PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and S. A lot of folks are excited about this. A lot of folks are saying, play this game. But this is the one that's kind of Souls-like, right? Or did I make? am I making that up? Kind of, yeah. Okay. In some ways. Okay. Have you played it? Yeah. Oh, this is gr- this is like game of the year contender. This oh, is good. Oh, shit. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Have you not? <gasps> no, I haven't. Because I heard the Souls like thrown in there. I was like, I don't know. No, okay. So, oh, Souls-like is such a finicky description anymore, right? Like, it could mean anything. I think... It is Souls-like in atmosphere, maybe? Kind of this this sort of dark but beautiful, like, gothic a little bit kind of atmosphere. Mm. But it's really... It, I don't know what the thing about Souls games that puts you off is, but it, it's very forgiving. It is, it is oh. difficult. It is challenging. But it, you don't lose anything when you die. Oh. It is, it is so generous in its checkpointing and in the ways... It, I mean, it's... 
it's strict with you in some ways. You only have like four healths, four little health ticks at the very beginning. And if you get hit once, you lose one of them. And everything does like the same, like if you get hit by anything, you lose one. So you only have the four, uh, but it's really generous with the healing checkpoints it gives you. It's really generous with where it puts you if you die and you don't lose anything. Like you don't have to go back and collect your stuff. You could just go back and try again. It is, it is so gentle in that way. And that was one of the things that impressed me so much about it because it gives off this aura of incredible challenge and accomplishment when you actually finish something and you do feel that way but it also is not it's not mean even though it has a big screaming all caps death screen whenever you die it's not mean to you you should (laughs) you should play this it is good wonderful to hear no I'm glad you said something because and that's probably my own fault I hear souls and I automatically have like this assumption that goes along with that you know unforgiving punishing like terrible make you cry gameplay and you know I ain't about that lifestyle so it's good to know. Okay. Because yeah. it looks no, it's, fun. it's difficult. It, it isn't, I, I wouldn't call it an easy game, but it's not, fine. I, I mean, you know, I, I finished it. It was good and it, it, it's, it's generous and nice to you. And I think, I think very rewarding. Also not that long, like eight, 10 hours ballpark. Okay. That's not yeah. bad at all. All right. Doable. Glad I, I'm glad you said something. Thank yeah. you, Reb. Appreciate also, you. I'm pretty sure I it could be just talking out of my butt right now, but I'm pretty sure it was confirmed after the event that it's also coming to switch. Oh, I think that was better. It was real. If that's true, that's great. That sounds like the perfect little Switch game to play. Right, I'm trying yes. to relax in bed. Maybe not. Um, cool. Okay, moving on. We got Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach release date has been announced. So this will be released on December sixteenth, twenty twenty one. There's also a new trailer full of horrifying animatronics and the greatest hits of Five Nights gameplay, including the classic security camera mechanic. Roxy, Chica, and Monty are working together with the Pizzaplex security to hunt you down. But you'll be able to work with Freddy Fazbear himself to survive the night. Utilize hiding spots, the Faz Blaster, and Faz Cam to survive. So, wow, okay, um, I was watching this, and I don't know if it was the music show, no, no, I'm gonna eat my words here, let me just premise this, what I'm about to say. I'm gonna eat my words, and I'm gonna be so wrong. This looks less scary to me than the original Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes, agreed. Okay, okay, so it's not just me, I didn't know if it was the music choice, I don't know if it's like the bright neon colors, or even the animatronics themselves, they're kind of going for this fun, like, oh, I don't know how you would describe it, Reb, what do you think, like, Picks not Pixar-y. I don't know. Like they don't look as intimidating and realistic and fucked up yeah. as in the original Five Nights, right? Uh, it's a, it looks almost a little too polished, right? Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. The lower I, d- it, I don't mean this in an insulting way, but the lower quality of visuals of the earlier games worked in its favor for making it scarier. There's a reason absolutely. why playing really old PS1 games is kind of upsetting sometimes, depending on the atmosphere of the game. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not you're not wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. But just Again, not to imply it looks like a PS, the old, the originals look like a PS1 game. It's just, you know what I mean. I, I totally know what you mean. So yeah, like, I mean, it looks scary. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure when you're playing it and the atmosphere slowly builds over time, right? And you got like the creaks and the groans of like the atmosphere around you and shit. I'm sure it'll be terrifying. But I'm watching this and I'm like, it, it looks good, but it doesn't look terrifying. But again, I'll probably eat my words on that. Yeah. I know I will, but that's okay. All right. Cool. So, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach stream with Brittany confirmed. <laughs> and on to the next story. This is the one that my husband, when he saw it, literally like jumped up and was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> Super excited about bug snacks 
getting an expansion, the Isle of Big Snacks, which I thought was pretty adorable. So if you guys missed Bug Snacks the first time around, it was a PlayStation 5 launch title that launched in PlayStation Plus, which I thought was really exciting. Of course, created by Young Horses. This was out in 2020, and the Isle of Big Snacks is apparently a whole new area where the bug snacks from the main game are much, much larger. <laughs> it takes place on a new island that's emerged from the bottom of the ocean where several grumpuses from the main game, Chanlu, Floofty, and Triffany and Shelda adventure in order to explore its secrets. You're going to get a new tool that allows you to shrink real big bug snacks down to a size of where you can catch them, and there will be a dozen brand new bug snacks to catch and snack Is this on. my and article? Hats. They've got hats! Is this mm. my article? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. It's, it's what, did you think we were going to read somebody else's uh, article? I don't know. No, all of these are from IGN, and you have another one coming up, too. Oh, so. yeah, I do. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, this <laughs> is this my article? This, this frantic middle of state of play phrasing sounds familiar. <laughs> You're like, I'm just trying to type as fast as humanly possible. Like, I don't even get remember. the clicks. Get the clicks. Describe the bug snack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This looks so freaking cute. I still it sadly does. have not played Bug Snacks, and I need to fix that. Same. Bug Snacks, whoa, whoa. Oh. Talk about Bug Snacks. Still the catchiest tune in video games. It's so tailored to me, too. I don't I don't remember Same. why I didn't play much of it when it came out. It, it's perfect. I remember. Oh, I, I can tell you why. Because you were probably underwater with games for the brand new console launches yeah. for both PS5 and Xbox Series X. And you were yeah. like, I'm drowning in coverage <laughs> that I have to get out the door. That's probably why you didn't play Bug Snacks. That might Snacks. be true. That might be true. Yes. But yeah, it looks um, Moving right along, Star Ocean, the Divine Force, announced for PS4 and PS5 next year. Uh, John also was like, this looks like a Britney-ass game. But you, you've never really talked too much about Star Ocean on this show. No, I haven't. And uh, the reason is, like, I've never really been able to get into Star Ocean games, but I tweeted about this. It's one of my grandma's favorite franchises ever. So I texted my aunt today, because I can't text my grandma, because she just, you know, texting is hard for an 81-year-old woman. But um, I was like, hey, tell grandma that a new Star Ocean game just was announced today. So she's going to, and I'm sure she'll be absolutely thrilled. But Rebecca, you wrote this article, so I'm sure you can tell us more about it than I can. So this was a kind of a surprise announcement, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I I don't, I, I hadn't heard anything. I mean, maybe I'm just out of the Star Ocean loop, but I, I, mean, I got, it was about time, right? Because the last Star Ocean was something like five years ago, I think. So we, we were about due, but yeah, we saw, you know, we saw Square Enix and Triace and we're like, wait, what, what is mm. this? No, it's, it's Star Ocean. And it, yeah, it, it feels kind of weird, right? Because integrity and faithlessness, uh, I don't, I don't think was exciting for many people uh but but star ocean itself is a very very beloved series i think especially till the end of time is yes that's the one right so um it looks like they're taking cues from uh some some other kind of action rpgs uh like the geese games tales of arise xenoblade it looked a little more like those games than it did previous star ocean games i thought which is i think a point in its favor when i was watching the trailer maybe it was just because it wasn't being streamed in high quality i thought it looked not great like the, the it, yeah, yeah no okay. it, yeah. It, no you're not you're not alone it looked a little like last gen and when I say last gen I mean like PS3, I mean PS4. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that may, it could have just been the asset that they yeah. used the tell. way that they right. captured the game the build of the game of where it's at but typically 
PlayStation is pretty meticulous about vetting the assets. So I'm not quite sure why they would put something in that looked a little subpar, especially when they're really pushing, you know, captured on PlayStation 5, which we saw for a couple of these. But that, you know, doesn't mean anything necessarily for a franchise like Star Ocean, which has been around forever. It could just be that, like, hey, like, there's a fan base for this. We're going to show it no matter what the asset looks like. Yeah. Because the fans don't care. Nope. Yeah. Absolutely not. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they do care a little bit. I, I don't know. I feel like integrity and faithlessness really kind of bummed folks out on that series a little bit. Yeah? Right? Yeah. Because I, I don't know. It was I, I didn't play it, but I remember people just, just really did not like that game. It was just... It was just not good. It was like very, very solidly mediocre, and it was such a disappointment. But was that just because of the graphics, or was that because of other? Oh things? no, it wasn't. It wasn't the graphics. It was. Just, it was just generally. So I, th- I think like, I, I think they have lost a little bit of street cred on this series, and so mm, I, I, I mean, I haven't saying. seen. I, I haven't dug into the discussion what people are saying about it, but I, I don't know. I, I hope it's good. I hope. I hope they tread carefully and make people happy in in every aspect. Because I do want. I do like a good Star Ocean, and I would like a good Star Ocean. Have you played the Star Ocean games? I played till the end of time. Oh, okay. Yes, really, really, really liked it. I need to get into that series. But who needs another JRPG? Put it on the backlog. Yeah, right. And finally, the game that I'm really excited about that just has me tickled is new gameplay details for Little Devil Inside have been revealed. So Little Devil Inside, a new game that was shown off when the PS5 was announced, there's finally some new gameplay details, friends. So Little Devil Inside is a unique, unique looking, yes, title set in a kind of fantasy world with dragons and other mythical creatures. The story follows Billy, which is the greatest name for a protagonist ever, a young hero for hire handling side jobs in the countryside, and some shit goes wrong, and his life is turned upside down. Anyway, I did not realize that this game was kickstarted six years ago. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I knew that at one point in my life, but you know, my memory is short these days, friends. But I am just so into this game. The vibe I'm getting and the art direction of it, it is just it just makes me happy. It just looks so fucking cute that I need it in my life. I still don't fully understand like what the point of it is and like what you're trying to do, but it doesn't matter. It's just fun to look at and for me right now that's enough. Just looks Yeah, I think that the art style of this game looks really interesting. I think we saw this didn't we see this the first time at a different state of play and we were all like, it looks really cute? Yeah, Simon said that it, the characters look like something I would draw in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that good or bad? <laughs> I think it was good. I'm going to go with good. I actually... Always good. If it's about Brits, if it's about Brits Microsoft Paint skills. <laughs> I don't know if you've Clearly seen my good. art skills before, Rebecca, but I am an artiste for hire and I am very expensive. Some call me the Bob <laughs> Ross of millennials. <laughs> I do think that this trailer went on for far too long. It was such a poo-poo way to end the state of play. We were like, wait, that's it? It's over? It's just done now? And it just when you do like a really lengthy in-depth gameplay demo like they did, you kind of kind of want to bookend it with yes. something a little bit snappier, a little bit jazzier, and it was just like over after it i was like oh i guess i guess that's they should it. have ended on star get. ocean oh a beloved that rpg franchise is one. coming back here's your yeah. one more thing right i mean yeah, not everybody likes star yeah. ocean but but it would have been on brand for playstation yes mm-hmm. i agree i was just thinking like well what would you end on but yeah i think that would have been a good way to do it star ocean because that was definitely the like what because we knew little devil inside was gonna be 
was going to have more information, right? We knew that already. Yeah. So, yeah, that was it. Was an interesting. Uh, it's not a showcase. A PlayStation. What's it called again? State of play. State state of play. What? The, well, yeah, it was an interesting <laughs> state of play. It was fine. Like it, there was nothing in there that was like holy shit. I mean, I know some folks are really excited about Star Ocean, but I mean, I liked what we saw. I think it was a lot of good, fun announcements, and this leads into Victor Hensley's question, patreon.com slash what's good games. Was this the weakest state of play we've gotten in a long time? Was there anything announced that ruffled your feathers in a positive way? Hmm? Anyone's feathers get ruffled, Rebecca? Yeah, Star Ocean. I'm, yeah, I'm stoked about that. I, th- I Yeah, I thought it was solid. I think, I think it helped that we didn't go into this with a lot of expectations because, you know, normally when someone announces a big announcement showcase or event or what, whatever you want to call it, a couple days leading up to it, there's just a bunch of rumors, right? Like, like Reddit gets flooded with them. Insiders come out of the woodwork to tell us what they think is going to be in there. People start speculating on Twitter. Oh, oh yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, more Final Fantasy footage yes, or they're going to show the one, Horizon right? or whatever it is. And I, I didn't see a lot of that this time. I, I went into this knowing, except for Little Devil Inside, knowing nothing and expecting nothing. And I think expecting nothing out of this 20-minute showcase where Little Devil Inside was the only thing I knew was coming, it kind of helped temper all that. So mm. I allowed myself to be pleasantly surprised by things like Star Ocean and Isle of Big Snacks. And that, I don't know, that that helped a lot. It was fine. Oh, see, my timeline was full of folks saying Final Fantasy 16. Final oh, Fantasy. really? Yeah. And oh. so I, uh, the grant, like, that wasn't my expectations. And some people were even throwing Resident Evil around in there. And I was like, oh, you sweet summer ch- children like oh, I, don't, I don't think we're getting anything resident evil for quite a for quite some time but if you i did i like to do this i went back and i read the state of play announcement on the playstation blog and if, and if you look at it and you read it it's very clearly not trying to set expectations to be too high there's like not too many exclamation points right like the language, <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's not like oh my god you gotta watch our thing it's gonna be amazing it's very like tempered very chill like hey just a little heads up that we have this thing that's coming out on wednesday and it was fine. Like it was, it was news that made me happy. Like you said, yeah. the Bug Snacks news, Star Ocean, Little Devil Inside. Um, it was fun. It's what yeah. it is. Enjoy. Now that we're done talking about state of play, I just wanted to do a quick in case you missed it. There is supposedly rumors swirling about a Smash Bros. style game coming from Warner Brothers. So over at Eurogamer, Matt Wales has reported. Earlier this week, reports began circulating that Warner Brothers is working on a Smash Bros-style crossover fighter, and now a leaked first image and fresh details have appeared. Word of the project said to include the likes of Scooby-Doo's Shaggy, <laughs> Lord of the Rings Gandalf, Tom and Jerry, Fred Flintstone, Mad Max, and Johnny Bravo as playable fighters. Initially surfaced on Reddit, but was subsequently verified by GamesBeat's Jeff Grubb. And now, several days from those initial leaks, a first image and video of the game, reportedly titled Warner Bros. Multiverse, has surfaced on Twitter. Um, I this, this whole story is just... It sounds made up. It sounds like something that someone posted to like Era or gaming uh, leaks and rumors or something as uh, that yes. was just completely invented, and it turns out it's not probably. I, yeah. So Jeff Grubb is no stranger to having inside information. We know that he's been working in games a long time. He's talked about leaks and things before. He says the WB platform fighter is real, but it is not a NetherRealm game. Come on. <laughs> so 
really kind of putting it out there that don't expect something of the caliber of Mortal Kombat or Injustice. This is a platform fighter. Uh, I I think to com- make any comparisons to Smash is dumb, quite frankly. Yeah. Like Smash uh, is in a league of its own and always has been. I think maybe doing the comparison that as a platform fighter is really the only comparison you can you can make. But this, I mean, just those rumored names <laughs> all together in a fighter sounds. Can hilarious. you fucking imagine? Gandalf, Shaggy, Yoinks, Tom and Jerry, Fred <laughs> Flintstone, and Johnny fucking Yoinks. Bravo going at it. Like, what the fuck? No, I can't. I, I can't. need this to be real. Like, shout, I- out, <gasps> shout out to Gandalf, who has come so far from the character in the books. Like, can you imagine? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like a weird book purist or something here, but can you imagine J.R.R. Tolkien, like someone sitting him down and explaining this to him? <laughs> this is what's going to happen to your kindly I mean, wizard. You're fighting a cat and a mouse, oh. but it's going to be fine. Also a hippie from like the 70s who's probably so fucking high, doesn't even know what planet he's on, but it's great. Oh my God. Yes. What's really kind of also funny about it is that previously leaked details include characters like Steven Universe, Batman, Harley Quinn, Shaggy, Wonder Woman, Rick and Morty's Rick, (laughs) Bunny. I'm just like, listen, just because you have the power doesn't mean you should use the power of all of your IP. Maybe you just say, not this character. This character sits out. Okay, okay, hold on. <laughs> Greb also says Multiverses could be a free-to-play game with future fighters, including LeBron James to be sold as DLC. Space Jam. Oh, my God. <laughs> His source says the game looks cheap. Yeah, well, when you throw everything in the kitchen sink at <laughs> an IP, it's going to look like you're trying too hard. <sighs> Like, oh cause you God. are. You're trying too hard. This sounds so fake. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it is because I like right. Jeff Grubb is like oh, reputable. This is not me going. This is definitely fake. It just this. Oh. This is the kind of thing that if you tapped me on the shoulder and told me this a week ago, but didn't include any of the verifiable details, I'm like, why are you listening to this? This is made up. No one. This is not a real thing. Okay, ladies, who would win, yeah. Gandalf or Shaggy? I have to know what you think. <laughs> Gandalf, obviously. obviously. Gandalf beats everybody in this fucking title. Like nobody's gonna beat Gandalf. What is Shaggy's ability? What is what does he do? Smoke screen. Right. Oh yes. <laughs> Brittany. Some Scooby snacks. Over the top. Oh yeah, his summon. No, no, no. He's here. Here, Rebecca. Here's what it is. He is mm. the next Ash Ketchum, except for his summon is Scooby fucking do. Oh and my he God. just throws a whole bunch of Scooby <laughs> snacks on your enemy. Scooby maybe has rabies. Maybe he didn't get his rabies shot. I don't know. Either way, he's a rabid motherfucker, and he wants some fucking blood. Oh and then God. he attacks whoever has the Scooby snacks on him, right? Meanwhile, Shaggy's just in the back, puffing on a joint, getting high <gasps> as fuck, doesn't even know where he is, thus the smoke screen, which is his defense mechanism. Hire me. I'm here all day. Like, I got you. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo, Miss Brombacher. I know. It's going to be so bad. Oh, but it it'll might be, be fun good. to speculate on it. it if this game ever becomes a thing, I'm sure everyone's going to dunk all over it. Hopefully, Warner Brothers is looking at all the online chatter and being like, maybe we should reconsider. I actually don't know what's worse, what if it ends is. up being bad or if it ends up being good. Oh, shit. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it if it ends up being good. I think. What does that say about us? Again, yeah. new gamers. it's not good. Maybe they should just, you know, old yeller it. <laughs> <sighs> What a, what a time to be alive. Just take it out back. Be like, we tried. 
We failed. <laughs> On that note, that's going to do it for our news segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by MeUndies. Are you ready for Halloween? How about Christmas? Prepare to get ready for both at the same time. The newest MeUndies collab brings some of your favorite characters to life on your favorite undies. Is it Halloween or is it Christmas? With the Disney Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas collection, it's both. Disney's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas collection features three new spooky yet cheerful prints, Jack Skellington, Jack and Sally, and Ookie Boogie. Available in undies, bralettes, socks, and loungewear in sizes XS through 4XL, these prints are perfect for anyone still confused about which holiday has witches and which holiday has wishes. Check out the Disney's Disney Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas collection before these prints are gone. So Andrea has these up right now on youtube.com slash what's good games and oh my god that is so cute. What is that? That is the women's romper in the Jack Skellington print. Oh my god that is so cute. I love MeUndies. I've sold literally my entire family on MeUndies. My mom, my dad, and Jason and Rebecca. I don't know if you've ever used MeUndies but you should. It lives up to the hype. It is so incredibly comfortable. And it holds up. I still have those uh, Star Wars lounge pants that we've talked about forever, and they're still in tip-top, pristine condition. They are excellent. I love it. They are excellent for your booties and your legs and your arms. So MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has a promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. So to get 15% off of your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's MeUndies.com slash WGG so they know that What's Good Games sent you. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Fixture Gaming. Are all these Nintendo releases getting you hyped to play your Switch this fall? Whether it's Metroid Dread or Animal Crossing New Horizons new update, enhance your playing experience with the perfect Nintendo Switch accessory, the Fixture S1. The Fixture S1 was created by gamers for gamers who love their Nintendo Switch and Pro Controller, but want to be able to play on the go. This original patented design connects the Nintendo Switch to the Pro Controller for comfortable, precise, portable play, offering a great alternative to Joy-Cons. Designed to be exceptionally ergonomic, it balances the screen weight directly over your hands, reducing screen rotation and minimizing strain on the wrists. Fixture S1's patented two-axis design provides stability and balance in any playing position for optimal comfort and gaming performance. Snap your Pro Controller into the Fixture S1 for handheld play or use it as a stand in tabletop mode. In either mode, you can charge the Switch and the Pro Controller at the same time, and Fixture S1's thoughtful design routes the power cords out the back so they never interfere with play. For when you're on the go, you can upgrade your Fixture S1 experience with their companion carrying case that securely holds your switch cables and game cards now even though i personally haven't been on the road much at all in the last two years now (laughs) i definitely still use my fixture s1 while i'm playing my switch on the couch for a superior experience to playing with joy con joy cons alone because we all know that the pro controller is definitely a better playing experience than the joy cons now if you guys want the portability factor 
you got to check out the Fixture S1. You can learn more by heading to fixturegaming.com where you can get $5 off your purchase with code WGG at checkout or visit Fixture Gaming's Amazon page by clicking our link in the show notes. That's fixturegaming.com where you can use code WGG to get $5 off your purchase or use our link in the show notes to visit their Amazon page for Fixture Gaming's Fixture S1. Let's talk about some games we've been playing. Now, before we kicked the show off, Rebecca actually withheld games because she's been playing so many things. She's like, I don't want to overwhelm you guys. (laughs) And I said, please do, because I've not been playing nearly as much as I would like to. I still have so many games in my queue, haven't finished Far Cry, just scratching the surface of Guardians of the Galaxy, but... You, Rebecca, have a bunch of stuff on your plate. So where do you want to start? What game do you want to talk about uh, first? Let's let's start in the in the more distant past. So I, I just went through this big move. Uh, I've been playing various things that are conducive to a move. So a lot of things on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and I I played through I played through Delta Rune Chapter Two before I moved, and then I started going back and replaying Chapter One on my Switch uh, while this move was going on. So I've been going back into Delta Rune, and then also Ooh. playing this new chapter. Have either of you played any Delta Rune? Are you Undertale people? I have started Undertale. I maybe put like ten hours in back in the day, and I loved it. And I'm a huge Earthbound fan, huge. Yeah. So this is right at my alley. But for some reason, I think it was the combat. It just kind of like eh, turned yes. me off a little bit. I think I just need to get familiar with it. That's fair. Because people like you are playing it, and you're talking about how good it is. Mm. I'm like, shit, I've missed out. That's how yeah. I feel. Andrew, but it's good, like- yeah. Do you, do you like them? No, not not my bag. That's fine. Just like full yeah, on, like whatever. Not not the game, not the type of game that I've I've, I've ever been in. Doesn't mean I won't ever try yeah. it in the future. But I mean, Brittany's over here still trying to get me to finish Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, Delta Rune Chapter Two is so interesting. I know, I know, it's we're like a month out from you know the cultural moment of everyone talking about it on Twitter, and everyone's kind of forgotten about it, and we're just waiting for the next three chapters to surface. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still thinking about it a lot. I, I mm. find, and I don't, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it is, it's, it's so interesting for someone to have made a game that was like an indie game cultural zeitgeist kind of thing and then to then to then make a game that is not clearly a sequel but is almost a commentary on the first game that they made and have that come off as effective and not pretentious uh it's like really weird to talk about but it's it's such an interesting uh it's so far such an interesting way to think about how we absorb lessons in gameplay and story from the developers whose games we play and how we apply those to future games uh, and what we expect from franchises and sequels and how that can be turned on its head. And I also think that if you've played Undertale and you were familiar with the different routes, the pacifist route, uh, the genocide route, the neutral route, uh, basically the different ways that you can play this game, you know that developer Toby Fox is really good at introducing sort of these these moral conundrums, but also with consequences. So, like, very much challenging the way we play RPGs, which is just, you know, killing monsters indiscriminately without really thinking about it, and, and making the player think about what that means. And I, I think Delta Deltarune, from 
the get-go tells you pretty directly that it doesn't really matter. Your choices don't matter. It doesn't matter whether you are a pacifist or not. You can you can still make those choices, but it's not going to affect anything. Uh, I don't want to spoil things if people have not played Chapter 2 yet, but there is... And, and especially if you've already played Chapter 2, I'd encourage you to look this up and read about it, even if you don't actually want to play through it, because I can't play through it. But there is... There is a way to play Deltarune Chapter 2 that is just deeply dark and upsetting, but it is also something that you have to do so deliberately that there's really no way to accidentally stumble into it. And it is so interesting that somebody can write the write and make these games that are clearly so full of love and themes of acceptance and empathy and thoughtfulness for your fellow living creatures, but also so very sharp in their commentary on what happens when you when people go out of their way to choose not to be that way toward other people um huh. so yeah it's oh it's it's sticking in my head okay so if i haven't finished undertale i can hop right into delta Rune, correct you can i think it's less powerful if you do um okay. i think I'm, you said you put 10 hours in undertale 10 hours is about how long it takes to beat I think I spent too much time like grinding and talking to everyone. I think that was my fault because I. That sounds like yeah, you. Yeah, because I love oh, Earthbound, fair. and that's one of the things about that was it was like, oh my god, it reminds me so much of the Mother series, and that's why I enjoyed it. But when it came to the combat, I just never really got into it, and I just like, eh. but um, okay, well, I yeah. have it on my Switch, and I've had it on my Switch since like it came to Switch. But I think if you if you liked, I mean, I try. I try to be soft about Undertale because I know that that's a game that had this sort of community and this culture like rise up around it and everyone th- there were there were a lot of people who played it and really loved it and then they then went on to tell other people how to play it uh, and I think ah. I think that put a lot of people off of it so I try I try not to be too aggressive about Undertale but if you if you really liked Earthbound and if you mostly liked what you played in Undertale and just didn't get around to finishing it I just like start over and give it another try and see how you feel about it because um, I do okay. think Delta Rune is going to be something. That is, you have plenty of time. I mean, we're not going to see chapters three through five for another couple of years, I'd imagine. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to, and I, we're pretty sure there's going to be seven chapters total. So oh, I think shit. it's going to be a game that's going to be relevant for a long time. And I, I, it, another thing I think, too, that's been interesting about it, it episodic releasing is the fact that the community sort of converged when Undertale came out in this way that was very like, oh, you have to play it this way. You have to make sure you do this. And with Deltarune, we can't. We don't know. We have no idea what is going to happen or what the quote unquote right way to play oh. Delta Rune is. And so we can't we can we can talk about what's happening and what our own experiences are, but we can't we can't be prescriptive about it. And I I'm glad that it was sorely needed. I don't want to be told how to play Delta Rune. I just want to try and figure it out. That's, I love that's going great. in blind. I'm uh, I'm happy I talked to you because I feel like I spent like maybe ten or so hours in Undertale, but if it's that short of a game, I'm maybe I didn't. So that's it's, good to know because I have it in my head that it's a that it's a long game, but it's no, not. Okay. No. And again, I don't want to be prescriptive. It's like it's like eight hours to just sort of reach an ending, and okay. then if you are playing in a particular way and want to get a very good ending, it's like two more hours after that. Okay, well, that's not bad, man. Okay. Yeah. Because I've been wanting to go back to it literally for years. Like I keep thinking about it, but yeah, okay, I've had it in my head that it's a long game, but it's not. Okay, good to know. That's good. Great. Add it to the list, Andrea. Add it to the list. <laughs> Just keep piling on. Listen, you did this to yourself. No, I did. I sort of feel bad no, for you. you. It's fine. <laughs> you have time. Um, Brittany, yeah. let's talk about Ocarina of Time on Switch's N64 bullshittery. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, as many of you know, or maybe you don't know, I have been wanting to play Ocarina of Time on my Switch for a very long time. I've had the itch 
for the Switch, <laughs> if you will, just because I've been wanting, I've been craving it. It's one of my favorite games of all time, and there just was never a really convenient way to play it unless I wanted to hook up my Wii or my Wii U again. I don't even know where my 3DS is at this point. So I was just waiting for the day that it would come to an N64-esque online thing, and it's there. So when the service went live, Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pass, I think that's the, or Expansion Pack, whatever the official term is, the first thing I did was play Ocarina of Time, and I booted it up. I got through the Great Deku Tree, which is like maybe 30, 45 minutes, and it's not long. And hot diggity damn, I have never played a video game, ladies. That had made me feel like I've never played a video game before. Because that button mapping is atrocious. Oh I, no! Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> like, here's the thing: like, the game is, the game is okay. Like, in the sense that, like, it's not the best emulated game out there. There's a lot of fog issues, a lot of water fog texture issues, and water texture issues. But the N64, if you go back and think about how weird that controller was, <laughs> and how right, how awkward it was. Of course, like it's not going to translate well to a modern pro controller unless you do some specific changes to it. But unfortunately, Nintendo has not done anything to try to fix that issue. There's no custom button mapping, and so you're trying to play a game with con- that was built for a controller that had like a one analog stick, a D-pad, four C sticks, an A and a B button, and two like shoulder buttons on a modern day controller, and it just doesn't work very well. And so it's really awkward to play. And I mean, I got through it, but it took me probably twice as long to get through the Deku Tree as it normally would, just because it's just like it's just such a confusing way to play uh, a, such a classic game. Um, so like while it was very nostalgic and I'm having fun there just needs to be some changes and i am someone too who is like will not hesitate to pay the extra money so i can play my n64 games i haven't dived into the genesis stuff yet but uh and it was real nostalgic and it made me real happy but as soon as i started playing man i was like either i'm drunk or i forgot how to play games <laughs> but uh i was not drunk and i had not forgotten how to play games maybe you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you andrea both. cracked the code but anyway yeah like so if you're someone who's never played ocarina of time and maybe you're like oh everyone talks about this 1998 masterpiece that like revolutionized the way zelda games play uh i don't know if this is the time for you to hop into that game wait until there's button mapping or god forbid you want to try the n64 controller go on with your bad self but good luck getting one that thing, I've seen so many memes about it and people being like, why are people rebuying this thing in 2021 and paying like $50? Probably because it's the only way to like, play these games right now, which sucks. I mean, it's not. Let me let me be clear. Probably the most convenient way to play these games right now. Otherwise, it like makes no sense on a Switch controller. Make a real port. Please. Make a real yeah, port. It, it needs to happen. Did they, not, did they not for, because you said they did for 3DS, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. I know they did Majora's Mask. I couldn't remember if they had done Ocarina as well. Yeah, and like, you, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Nintendo has proved that they can do really great new yeah. button mapping. And you look at Skyward Sword remastered on the Switch, right? Like that plays very well. And they had to do a whole bunch of new button mapping for that because that originally came out, you know, with waggle controls and whatnot. Uh, but no, like this, this is just literally a port over with no care given to it whatsoever. So mm. be warned. Bummer. Yeah. Stinky. It's, yeah. But there it is. That's my update. Well, uh, Rebecca, you've also been playing Disco Elysium. So have you been playing the special edition? I've been playing the version that's on the Switch, whatever uh, one that is. Yeah, I don't remember what the name of that special cut is. It has like a fancy name. Is it just name. the final cut on Switch? Is that what it's called? Disco Elysium. Because I bought that on um, the final cut. Yeah, I bought that on PlayStation. Okay. You might... No. 
the special you might edition because be okay, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about Disco, Disco Elysium. Oh, it's an incredible game. Uh, I hate, I love the, the Switch with all my heart. Uh, if you think, if you're waiting for the Switch version to get it, don't get it on Switch okay. until until or unless they patch it. It's oh, it's rough. Really long loading times, uh, freezes, crashes. Is it being streamed or is it just a regular game? Because I know they stream. It's just a regular game. Okay. I don't think it's a cloud okay. game. So, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's just it's just real rough. Uh, it, especially there's there's times when it snows, and when it's snowing, the whole game just <laughs> it's uh, it's having a lot of trouble. But the game is so good. The game itself. Oh my gosh. It's oh, it's one of my favorite things. I can't believe I didn't play this back in 2019. Uh, it, I I don't know. Like like do you, do we know what Disco Elysium is? Do I need to recap this? I think recapping it is not a bad okay. thing. We talked about it back then in Game of the Awards conversation, or Game of the Awards, <laughs> uh, the Game Awards, yeah. I believe is what I meant to say there, uh, conversations and of, around DICE because it got nominated for a bunch of stuff at DICE. Um, but I think a recap is... Yeah. yeah I mean, it deserves every accolade it got. It's so good. Uh, you you wake up as, as this, this man who has lost all his memory, doesn't know who he is. He wakes up in a hotel room. His clothes are kind of scattered around. Clearly, he drank way too much the night before based on his surroundings. And as you begin to talk, as you exit your room and begin to talk to people and sort of you know piece together things, you discover that you are a detective who has been assigned to a murder. There's a man who has hung, who's been hung in the, hanged in the back yard of the hotel you're staying at uh, and you've been assigned to sort of figure out what was going on with that but you uh, deeply embarrassed yourself in the process of doing this uh, and and everybody's mad at you and you've made a giant mess and the only person who you have to help you is uh, a lieutenant who shows up from a different precinct named Kim Kitsuragi who becomes your assistant and who sort of is there by your side to help you piece things together and attempt to solve uh this case that has initially been ruled a suicide, but you uh, rather quickly find out that it was a murder. Uh, and it is, it is incredible. I, man, I don't even know how to describe this. It takes place in this fictional world of Revachol, uh where that has its own politics, its own internal struggles, its own like class and racial struggles. Uh, and it has been so thoroughly thought through and so re- well written and it tells this incredible, it tells both an incredible personal story of the main character as you slowly uncover, you know, what his deal is and, and why he has clearly had all this trouble. But also as he attempts to solve this mystery in this town, uh, in this world that is, is now effectively foreign to him because he can't remember anything about it. Uh, and, and he learns about all these different dynamics that are going on. And it, uh, it's just really incredible. It has wonderful writing. It has just these incredible characters. Kim Kitsuragi is like one of my favorite characters in the entire world. I would die for him. Um, it has this incredible political and moral compass system where you can basically make decisions about what you want this character that you've woken up as to be. You know, he's a person with a history uh, and and feelings and thoughts of his own that is, is very well written and well put together. But he's also a person who has lost all his memories. And so you kind of get to determine what direction he goes in in the future. And the the kind of person you choose to become as you do this uh, is you, you can, you can choose to play it a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and I, I found 
I, I think there's a lot of talk in video games about people wanting games where their choices matter. And boy, if you want one of those, uh, play Disco Elysium because it it knows, it remembers all the things you do and say, uh, all the things that you try to become and holds you accountable for them, for good and for ill. Uh, trying, trying to be a good person in this world is sometimes very, very hard and not rewarding. Uh, and then other times it is. And sometimes it can be very, very easy to be just a total asshole uh, mm. and get what you want. But the game will remember that too. And it's, uh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Don't play it on Switch. Play it on anything else. But I was so going to ask what platform should they, should be, should folks play on, but probably yeah, Steam, probably I would PC, guess, right? I think. It's, it is, I think it's probably easier to play on PC. Uh, it, it is clearly intended as a point and click kind of adventure, which I, did, I, I think point and click, depending on who you are, maybe sounds like a turnoff, but if you like good writing and good characters at all, please just try it out. Uh, it's, it's also like based on tabletop games too. So if you like, if you like Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop kind of stuff, it's all, it's all based on dice rolls and checks and you have stats. You can kind of determine your build uh, from the start. And as you level up, you can put points into different kinds of things, whether it's like rhetoric or whether it's physical strength or all these other things. And these can help you navigate the world as you, as you move forward. Uh, but yeah, PC for sure, because it's very, it, it's so much, I think it must be so much more easy to navigate if you can just, point and click on things as opposed to what I was trying to do on the pro controller, which is, you know, navigate with the right stick to the thing that I wanted to examine and hit A, and mm-hmm. then pro controller drift starts my character wandering in a completely different direction, so I oh, have no. to redo the interaction like three times to get him to actually walk over there. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel, I love the Switch so much, but good lord. Yeah, good lord indeed. <laughs> I get you. I love that little console, but man. Sometimes it's, it's on the struggle bus. It's trying its best. Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Brittany, what do you want to talk about next? Ooh, speaking of the Switch, I could talk about Shin Megami Tensei 5. Haha, <laughs> because I've been playing this on the Switch, because I think it's only on the Switch. Ooh. Um, so this is a preview. I can't talk about everything I've seen so far. So, Rebecca, have you played this series before? No. Okay. I have not. Neither have I. So <laughs> I have I have been watching my partner also preview it, but I have I am not privy to this embargo, so I'm just gonna smile and nod. So I but I've seen some of the things you're probably gonna talk about. Perfect. Okay, so first of all, thank you, Alice, for the review code. So this game is out November twelfth, twenty twenty one. So like I just said, I am brand new to the series. I'm still trying to like wrap my head around everything that I'm seeing because I feel like there's a lot there, and I'm just so brand new to everything that I'm like, what is happening, and why am I doing the things that I'm doing? But the good news, friends, is that this Shin Megami Tensei has been around since nineteen ninety two, and from what I understand, this is where Persona came from like this this was the og persona and then obviously like persona is like branched off from this and this is still its, its own thing but a lot of the mechanics are very similar um so you the player assume control of a high school student and you are just minding your own business doing your own thing you go into a tunnel for reasons after school the tunnel collapses and you wake up and you are now in like post-apocalyptic tokyo and everything is just a huge old desert and there are demons and angels fighting. There's a big warrior hearing about. And then you fuse with another demon, I believe. It's I don't know if this character is a demon or not. But you become this new being called a Nahubino. Described as a forbidden being that is neither human nor deity. And you are going throughout the desert in post-apocalyptic Tokyo trying to do something. What that something is, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's probably maybe trying to find other students, trying to find out, like, what happened, what happened to the state of Tokyo. I'm still very, very early on. Um, 
but the good news too is that these are standalone stories. So if you've never played a Shin Megami Tensei game like myself, you can just hop into the fifth one and you won't be like too lost. Although I will say like there's a lot kind of thrown at you that it's not like you're cut and dry bread and butter JRPG necessarily. But if you have played Persona, like you're going to have an easier time. So tying it kind of back to Persona, because I know a lot of folks have played Persona more than I believe probably Shin Megami Tensei. Um, the one thing that stands out that's very similar is the combat. So as you're playing this game, right now I am just like the one main character and you can recruit the demons that you come across in this huge like sandboxy map to your side, to your team. And how you do that is through the art of negotiation. And so it's very much like Persona when you're trying to recruit shadows and Personas, for, for example, you chat with them, they'll ask you some questions. If you answer correctly, they'll join your team. Now this feels incredibly randomized. So maybe you'll walk up to a, a demon, let's say Andrea is a demon. I'll be like, hey, you wanna join my team? She'd be like, you smell bad. And then I'll have like three different responses that I can choose from. If I choose the wrong one, she'll attack me or she'll disappear. If I choose the right one, it'll bring me to another branch of dialogue and then I have to choose the right one again. And again, it's all very randomized. And so it can be very frustrating when you pick the wrong choices again and again and again. And I don't know if there's any real method to the madness or it was all just pure luck. Anyway, if I answer correctly, Andrea will join my team, and now she's a demon who can fight for me and with me, and I love her very much. Yeah, I fight for Thanks, you, boo. Thanks, girl. So once you get all your demon friends, or as many as you want to recruit, there is an area in the game where you can fuse them to create like your ultimate demon. Maybe you want certain skills or affinities, and then now they're an ultra demon with all these cool things that you want in your little demon friend. And now th then they will fight for you. So it's kind of like you're building up a compendium, mix and matching. It's kind of like demon alchemy, if you will. Um, it has the press turn battle system, which is essentially you come across a new enemy. You have to find their weakness. If you find it, you get to fight them or you get to have two attacks instead of just one and vice versa. They can use the same method on you. Um, you have what's kind of like a limit break in Final Fantasy during the combat and you can exercise new epic moves, if you will, depending on what kind of demons you feel. Anyway, like the combat is very much Persona-y. Um, it also reminds me of Persona because it's also kind of wacky. There's some interesting things that happen in this game. Like some, some of the enemies that you'll fight are naked and they have their cock and balls hanging out and you're like, all right, cool. I see you. Didn't know if I wanted to see that. Yeah. Wait. Wait, like humanoid? They're like, like it's like, I don't know what enemies? it's called. I can't remember. What? But it, yeah, it looks like a, a weird demon thing. But yeah, his junk is just hanging out. I mean, granted, Andrea and Persona, one of the bosses is literally a penis. Oh. I mean, oh, oh. yeah. Rebecca, have you played Persona? No. Oh. <laughs> Again, I, like, did, <laughs> I did realize as we were talking that I have played uh, the Effie the Sharp game. I always forget the name of this. Oh, yeah. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yes. That's yes. right. That was good. That's another great example. It, yeah. If, also, if you play Tokyo Mirage Sessions, like, yes, it feels similar in that sense. Um, there were not a lot of uh, cock and balls happening in that no, one. No, no, not that, that one. Was no. Very, that one was much more innocent, I think. It was much more pure, wasn't it? That was a fun one. Yeah. I need to get back into that one. Uh, but the other thing, too, is that this game like I keep talking about Persona because obviously Persona stemmed from this but this one is just it feels much more like post-apocalyptic much more serious and you're solo you don't have a group of friends at your side at least so far and man it's hard <laughs> these games have had a reputation for being difficult and I you know 
RPGs and JRPGs in particular are my bread and butter. So I always thought like, ah, I don't need any. I'm good. Let's we'll start on the normal difficulty. And while I didn't suffer on the normal difficulty, the grind was real and it, it can be very punishing. So I did bump the difficulty down to casual, which is the easiest. So you have casual, normal, and hard. And Atlas has said that there's a safety mode that's coming um, with think day one DLC that's coming that's easier than casual. So if you really like just kind of want to breeze through the story, because listen, friends, when you have a baby, time is a very like finite resource. And so as much as I would love back in my day to just spend time grinding, I just don't have the time to do it right now. So I bumped it down to casual, and now it feels like a normal, uh, what a normal JRPG would feel like. But um, you know, so far, like, I'm having a really good time. It kind of took a minute for me to wrap my head around how everything works, despite the fact that I have played Persona before. You know, that was in, what, 2017, I feel like? So it, it's been a while, and I had to kind of get back into that groove. And um, I'm not initially connect connecting with, like, the characters and, like, the plot, because I'm not entirely sure what's happening. But I am having a good time, and it does feel like a little bit of comfort food right now, because I know now that I have my head wrapped around it, like, I know how to grind the demons, I know how to combine the demons, I'm having fun exploring the areas, finding the hidden chests, you know, collecting these little dudes called Mimans, I think is what they're called, you collect those, they're like hidden creature collectibles throughout the map, you turn them in for glory, you can then get um, passive permanent upgrades to a lot of the systems in the game. Um, and I guess there are choices and consequences as well, I haven't really come across that as much. I will say on the Switch, it runs okay. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's not very fluid. I don't know if that's designed that way, but I, I'm looking at it, I'm like, mm, it, doesn't, it doesn't look very smooth, but it's still very fun to play. So that's what I'll say right now. Obviously, like, the game doesn't come out for a few more weeks, and at that point, I will be able to talk about my final impressions. So there's a noob's thoughts on a series she has never played before. No, I like it. I thought I thought you did great. I my <laughs> real talk. My only experience with Shin Megami Tensei is the GameStop TV ads that I had to read when I worked there, and I had to meticulously go over all of the words mm -hmm. in the copy to be like, "Am I saying this correctly?" Because oh, yeah. I don't want the diehards to come after me in the comments and be like, mm, "Fake gamer girl doesn't know how to say Megami Tensei." I was just like, oh my gosh, I just, listen, there's too many games for us to play every single franchise that's ever existed. This one is clearly not my forte, yeah. but I am curious that, you know, you are getting into this for the first time as somebody who is very big into this genre of games and kind of what your thoughts are going to be. So hopefully we can check back in with you at a later date once you've played a little bit more. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I just want to briefly talk about this app that I've been playing. So as I mentioned, I'm working on a couple of other big games that I hopefully will have more impressions on for you guys later. Not to mention some games in my backlog that I'm trying to get to um, before end of the year discussions are about to happen, which are coming very quickly in a way that I'm not prepared for. It's like, oh, you know, game of the year is like right around the corner. But this app I've been playing was recommended to me actually by my mom's wife. Uh, shout out to Joe. Uh, I love her. She's wonderful. And she's always playing this when we're like chilling on the couch at the end of the day. And I'm like, what is this coloring app that you're doing? And she said, it's called Happy oh. Color. And it's literally a coloring book That sounds app lovely. Where they give you outlined pages and you just tap to color in and... They have a palette of colors at the bottom and it's all like paint by numbers. And they have all of these different 
images you can choose from every day. They have some licensed stuff. They have a bunch of Disney stuff. And you basically just pull up an image that looks interesting to you and you just tap in color the whole time. That's it. It's just a nice, Aww. soothing, relaxing thing Aww. that you just get to do like in the background. So sometimes when I've had a really hard day and I want to do something on my phone that isn't like doom scrolling social media over and over again and I don't have like the brain capacity to play a game on my phone, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull up this coloring app that Joe recommended and it's really nice. Like after like a long day or if you just like need a couple minutes to just like decompress on your phone but you just cannot open Twitter or Instagram or like look at anything else, it's been really nice and I like that they put a little bit of a puzzle element into it where they'll make some really small (laughs) specs. So each color has a certain amount of spaces on the board. And so it won't clear the color if you haven't tapped all the places where that color Ah. goes on the board. And so sometimes you'll be like, wait, I I can't see any more spaces. You have to kind of like hunt to find like where it is. My only gripe about this app is that it has those ads that they make you watch in order to make it a free-to-play app and i'm like just give me the ability to pay and not watch these dumb ads like i haven't been able to like i've looked and admittedly i'll pull it back up and look again i haven't looked like super deep into the menu systems about i would think that if you had a pay feature that you would put it kind of on your front page of like clear the ads give us money but I think my guess is that they make so much money from the ads that they don't want to offer a pay to clear ads feature because they make more money from the ads being in. And the app is so like good outside of the ads that it's like, well, kind of got to deal with them, which is a little frustrating. That sounds really but chill. It, yeah, there's a, oh wait, there is a <gasps> remove ads per Yay! Thing. Congratulations! Wait, hold on. It's seven ninety nine. Do yeah, I do yeah, it? Yeah, it's yes. worth eight bucks. Yeah. Ne- Listen, never right get it out again. Literally doing it right now. If there's now. anything in this life that brings you joy and happiness, eight dollars is very worth it. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so they have dailies. They have, you know, I mean, it's just like I mostly just focus on the the cat, the cat because <laughs> you know I love kitties. They're great. But it's it's just something that isn't a game is obviously traditionally it's literally just like a digital coloring book but sometimes that's all you need yeah. you know because i know a lot of people got really big into coloring adult coloring books during the pandemic as like a way yeah. to relieve stress you know i even bought a set of like colored pencils and a couple adult coloring books but i found them really difficult i bought the mass effect adult oh, yeah. coloring book because obviously I, I love mass effect and i was so sad how hard <laughs> it was like i opened it up and i was like there's just too much to do in this and i don't have the bandwidth to think about what colors to use mm-hmm. where like the analysis paralysis of like which blue do i use for liara's shading i'm just like i can't deal with that i'm stressed out this is supposed to relieve my stress not cause me more stress all i want is a paint by numbers which i think is why i really gravitated towards this app because you see some really complicated photos but like you don't ever have to mm-hmm. pick you just tap on the color and the color palette 
and then it like highlights it in gray, in grayscale, like where you're supposed to color in. All you do is tap it in, and then when you complete it, you can download and save whichever photos you want, and then it will show you like a playback oh, video yeah. of all of the individual colors, like coloring in as you tap them in. And I'm like, see, this is so satisfying. This is all I want. Is it great for like this those 4 a.m. baby feedings? Yeah, exactly. When you're pumping in the middle of the night and you're like, I just can't look at TikTok anymore. Cleaning TikTok has been both simultaneously wonderful and terrible for my life because I've learned so much from cleaning TikTok, but also I have no time to do any of it. Yeah. Also, those women mix chemicals together in a very capable <laughs> way. That's not okay. They're like, let me throw some freaking fabric softener, some Tide Pods, and some Fabuloso all in a bucket and see what happens. I'm like, that sounds catastrophic. Don't do it. <laughs> so I had to stop. I had It was becoming destructive, me scrolling TikTok. I was like, I need something safer. Coloring book. Enter happy color. I have a thing on my face. Yeah. You do. This isn't, you know what? This isn't you. I've discovered now this is clearly something with my I OBS like it. It's like my... every week I'm a new character. It's slowly fading. Yeah, it's, well, because it happened to Reb earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just a little blemish on my nose. Yeah, it's like you have like a weird speck on your nose. Yeah, see, I put, now it's gone. I put the cream on it. I don't remember what that cream was. That What was that teenage acne cream we would all use? That would dry up your pimples. Uh, Clearacel? Yeah. Before yeah. I realized it was an artifact, I was I mean, debating whether to mention it to you because it looked like you had taken like a piece of confetti or something and like touched your nose and got it stuck. <laughs> and I was wondering if you knew. Yeah, I know. One, one time I had like a whole pixelated face. It just happens. That was really minor. Like that wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Andrea, I'm happy you yeah, found something just, though that has given yeah. you that joy and happiness at those middle of the night feeds or whatever it is you're doing. Because I know last week, was it last week? You're talking about trying to find something just to kind of with your one hand that you can. Yes. No, it was a couple weeks ago about finding a mobile game that I could play. And um, it was actually, remember, Janet Garcia gave a couple of recommendations for me to try. I just, I have them downloaded. But again, I think I'm looking for something silent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no audio because if I have a sleeping baby. That's on me. Can't have anything with game audio. And every time I go to pull up one of the games that she recommended, I'm like, oh, but there's probably audio and I want to hear it if I'm going to be playing this game for the first time. You know what doesn't have audio? Color. It's fair. (laughs) Just sit there in silence and tap my colors and it feels very nice and soothing. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, okay, so we've been talking about a bunch of games. You guys each have a couple more. Do you want to keep talking about what you've been playing, or you guys want to wrap it up? I'll talk very quickly about. Yeah, Age my of last Empires. one's fast. Yeah, I'll talk about Age okay. of Empires four very quickly. Um, I've been playing Age of Empires four, which is a game I never thought I would play, but here we are. So I'm playing a lot of new stuff: Shimmy My Tensei, and now Age of Empires. So thank you, Microsoft, for the review code. This game comes out October 28th, so I believe it is already out by the time you're listening to this show. It's coming on Xbox Game Pass for PC and Ultimate. Um, yeah, I've never played an Age of Empires game. I don't play a lot of real-time strategy games. From like a one to ten, one being like I've played a few matches, and ten is like I'm a pro. I'm like a point nine. So very new, very, very new to all this. But my husband loves these games. He grew up playing these games. And so I was like, yo, sir, if I can get you a code, can you help me out, please? And tell me what the fuck I'm doing. And of course, he decided he was like, yes, absolutely. So I have discovered, ladies, that I love real-time strategy games. Have any of you played these? 
Not the Age of Empires game. Real time. Wait, yeah. RTS games? I yeah, of course. I like grew up on RTS games on PC, but I don't play a bunch of them now, mostly because like they, you know, they are very time consuming. consuming. Yeah. So Age of Empires, have you played that one, Andrea? Or is that like one of the ones you haven't played? No, Age of Empires was one of the games that I kind of missed. I mean, like I played like old school RTS games. Um, like my favorite old school RTS game of all time was Dune 2. Oh. Loved, wow. loved that game. Someday we'll talk about the Dune movie, but not today. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's probably my my favorite RTS. Um, but yeah, no, I never really got into Age of Empires. I, I played a little bit of, of Civ. Um, Total War, I spend a little bit of time with as well, but there's so many of them that are good. But again, like you just, you know, practice makes yeah, perfect. It's a lot. So, okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm talking about this again from the perspective of a noob to all of this stuff. And I've learned that my favorite part of these games is what Jason calls the Animal Crossing slash Stardew Valley phase when you're doing nothing but building up your economy. When you're making <laughs> your, f- it's so good. I love it so much. When you're making your farms and building your villagers and harvesting lumber and ore, and I, I just love that so much. And then I realize, okay, actually, I have to go to war now. I have, <laughs> I, I have to stop trying to build like the next metropolis here, and I have to like go on and like defeat this little like bandit camp down the road. Uh, so from the review guide, because I'm not even pretend like I know what half of this shit means, but I'm sure the Age of Empires people out there want to know so i'm pulling this from that but there are eight diverse civilizations including like the mongols and chinese four campaigns with 35 missions that span 500 years of history you can cooperate or spectate others in pvp versus pe or pve and there's a fun like hands-on history hands-on history videos like that trebuchet video we saw in that last xbox presentation that we talked about on the show Oh, the trebuchet. That freaking video. I I love that. I learned again. They they (sighs) chuck beehives as enemies. I thought that was so fascinating. But I, you know what? Obviously, like, I'm loving the Animal Crossing esque aspect of this. But you know what I also (laughs) love is I love how this makes history fun. Now, granted, I don't know how accurate all this is. I'm assuming it's very accurate, but uh, I love these little videos that they show. And it makes me wish that I had paid more attention to history in high school. But my God, when you're like 16, 17, 18, history is the last thing on your fucking mind. But it it is fun to kind of like learn about these pieces of history that I feel like I once learned and forgot or never knew. But besides that, besides the Animal Crossing part of it, I'm having so much fun, and I never thought I would love this guy. I'm playing on PC, and typically I try to stay far, far away from PC because it's the only way I can play because I work on my PC all day. I don't want to be here at the end of the day. Let me go back. I used to work on my PC all day. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I keep a child alive now that that's clear up. Um, <laughs> but for those of you who are new and maybe thinking about hopping into this game, t- the tutorials are fantastic. They are so good and great. Um, at teaching you the ropes and teaching you the basics and whether or not you're just doing like the box tutorial when you first boot up the game or if you're doing the camp the single player campaign it really goes slow my problem is is that the campaign is like the tutorial is like yo like build like five troops and go take on this little camp and I'm like I'm gonna build 800 troops and I'm gonna get to the (laughs) imperial age and I'm gonna be the best and they're like no 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 what are you doing um but that's it's it's oddly satisfying and therapeutic because when I think about it games like Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, Story of Seasons etc are like my chicken soup for the soul games because there's something very cathartic about building up a whole bunch of cities and towns and collecting resources it's just what relaxes me and I think that's what I'm getting out of Age of Empires that I honestly just did not anticipate 
So I'm having an absolute blast. You can definitely play this if you've never played a game before. It's very good at holding your hand. There is going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but that's to be expected. So Jason and I also, though, did a co-op skirmish. And because I am playing on the easiest mode, I uh, on the campaign, I'm playing on the easiest mode, What's great about that is that no one will attack you when you're playing. Like, they'll just, like, maybe mount a light attack. Maybe. But they're not going to come, like, try to tear down your walls or anything. At least they haven't yet. Uh, so I got really comfortable with that. But then when Jason and I were playing together, what I learned was that there's no easiest easy mode you can select. You can only start on, like, I think it's easy, intermediate, and then hard. And I'm playing on story. So you can only play on easy. They will bum rush you. And the problem, too, in those... <laughs> <laughs> and those matches is that they give you almost everything at your disposal. And if you have never, if you haven't gone through the, through the tutorial properly or you haven't done the campaign, you're not going to know what to do and you're not going to know what does what. And so that is the downside of the multiplayer skirmishes or the um, AI skirmishes. But I mean, I guess that makes sense because they're probably assuming if you're a smart, intelligent human, you're not going to immediately jump into playing against somebody. Uh, but we had a really good time. I think our match took about two hours because even though Jason played a lot of this growing up, he hasn't played it in a while. So he uh, he and I were on the struggle bus for a hot minute and we got completely obliterated. But when we went back for our second round, we were able to just kind of like deploy all of our troops. Our baby started crying. We walked away from the PCs. By the time we came back, we had won the match. I was like, I don't know how this happened, but we did it. So that was really fun. So yeah, I'm having just like a really good time with it. And um, yeah, again, like I would, I would say if this is something that's piqued your interest, like check it out. It's very, very good for new players. It's a f yeah. Excellent. Now, as much as I would love to hear about Ring Fit Adventure, I kind of quietly messaged in our chat that um, Baby is definitely still crying in the background. Um, so I have to wrap up this episode. But, Rebecca, it's been so wonderful to have you back on the show. We'd love to get you back again to hear about everything that you've been up to. But for people who are like, hey, I love what she's talking about in video games, where can they follow you and listen to all your musings and read everything uh, you you're writing? You can find me on Twitter at DuckValentine. Uh, I write various things for IGN.com that you can find over there. And uh, no real consistent place to listen to me right now, but I, I go around a lot of podcasts and I'll usually talk about that on my Twitter. Oh, wonderful. We never even talked about your cookbook oh. show. And everything that was going yeah, on with it, that. Yeah, it came and went, didn't it? I the the move sort of made it dissolve because it was taking up so much time every week. I couldn't do it during the move, but I want to bring it back. Um, if you want to, if you want to listen to, I think like seven or eight episodes of me making video game food and talking to people who are connected to that video game food in some way uh, on Twitter at Cozywood Kitchen, Cozywood Kitchen or Cozywood Kitchenette, Cozywood Kitchen, I think is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> remember. We'll find the right link and put it in the show notes for yeah, everybody. But um, congrats again on your move to California. Welcome, West Coast, Best Thank Coast. You. And for everybody who is wondering, we don't worry. As we mentioned, we will make sure you guys get all of her links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on Thank the show you. this week. We will be back next week. And if you guys missed Brittany and I streaming lights off on our Twitch channel, I know we've been absent. Uh, you can check out the VOD at twitch.tv slash what's good games. And I think we'll be posting it on our YouTube channel as well, uh, because we know that we didn't give you guys a lot of warning. Um, you know how it is babies and scheduling <laughs> doesn't really mix so we were like let's just 
quickly find a time to make this happen, but um, we're going to be playing some Phasmophobia. Hopefully it goes well and Brittany doesn't oh, girl, abandon you're so me abandoned. Again. I'm sorry. I know. I know. Every time. Yeah. Every time. For like $20 too, she's like, I'm going to make this sweet insurance money. <laughs> leaves me behind. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for our show this week. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We will see you next week. Bye, everybody.